0: page to November, the feeling of the chill in the air or the the listening to that intro song doesn't give you goosebumps. I do not know what will. As you probably guessed from the opening of our show, this is Season 4 of the Court Report on the Nakam Siegel Network, the premier place to get all your sports news and information regarding the Yeshiva League. I'm your host, Elliot Weiselberg. Court Report comes to you every Sunday night and Tuesday night at 7pm right here on the Nakam Siegel Network. Every week we'll take a look back and a look ahead at all things Yeshiva League. Thank you once again to our amazing sponsors, Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. They been with us through all three seasons of The Court Report till now, and they are joining us for yet another amazing season right here. Crown Trophy of Brooklyn has been servicing the Achievement League for over a decade, and if you've won a championship within that period, you've already benefited from their amazing handiwork and craftsmanship. Please give them a call at 718-769-4111 for all of your trophy and plaque needs. Like I said, calendar turning to November. Today is November 8th, it's election day. And thank you for electing to listen to us on the first episode of Season 4 of The Court Report for the 2016-2017 Yeshiva League season. Uh, Again, I'm Elliot Weiselberg, your host. I'll be taking you through the entire year once again. Season 4. I can't believe we are here at Season 4. It seems like just yesterday, Nahum was calling me and pitching the idea for Yeshiva League offshoot to our Tuesday morning, jm the AM Sports Update. And I'm extremely... Happy, privileged, proud to be sitting right here, being the voice, being the one to bring to you the accomplishments of all of these kids over the last four years, and God willing for many more to come. Special show today, like we usually do, we start off our season with the Yeshiva League Hockey Preview. Today we will have an interview with Mo Fuchs, the varsity hockey coach for TABC. Uh, Just a couple of programming notes, first of all. Like I said to open the show, generally we have our shows on Tuesdays and Sundays. Uh, The way we're going to work the first couple of episodes for this season, we will have our regular episodes on Tuesdays. That's why you're hearing the first episode tonight. And we'll be having the encore on Sunday. That's going to take us through next week, which is when we'll have our basketball preview, as well as a recap of this past week's Cooper Memphis National Invitational Tournament. This should bring us up to Thanksgiving. The week after Thanksgiving, we'll revert back to our usual Sunday and then Tuesday format. As usual, the interview with Mo Fuchs is lengthy, but extremely informative, so sit back and relax and listen in to what we had to talk about from this past week's interview please pardon the sound quality. I did the best I could with editing. Hopefully it sounds as great as the conversation really was. It's becoming yearly min here at the Court Report to start off our season with the hockey preview. And once again, joining us, TABC Varsity Head Coach and Director of Hockey Operations at TABC, Mo Bukes. Thanks for joining us once again, Mo.
1: My pleasure, Elliot. So let's dive
0: right into it because we've got a lot to cover tonight and very little time. I'm going to give you a little rundown as to the varsity and how it's set up this year. Still a two-division format, but the playoffs are going to be returning back to a six-team format as opposed to the five-team that it was for the last two years. Top two teams in each division getting buys to round two. Teams three and four hosting five and six in the first round game. The uptick in playoff teams is a result of the increase in teams this year. The East adds one new team, YDE, returning after two years off to give the East nine teams. And the West also added a new team to bring it from eight to nine. the returning Hillal team. We're going to start off in the West, which, in my opinion, could be neatly divided into three tiers. We'll get into each of them as we go. I know you and I have had differing opinions as to who the top team in the West is. We spoke about this over the summer. I'm of the opinion Frisch has got to be the top team to start the year. You have been touting SAR the entire time.
1: Well, I have tremendous respect for Frisch, Elliot. Take nothing away. We're talking A, one b but SAR is the champion from that sophomore-freshman group that is now junior-senior. And so it's their mantle, per se, to start this year. And unless we hear differently, and they made some changes to that team, understandably. But some changes that, in the end, I think are beneficial for them. And I think they have to be put number one to start SAR.
0: Well, let's get into the two of them, because they're, they're going to they're gonna start off our, our list right now. So we're we'll going to start with Frisch. Last year, 9-4-0-1, third in the West, pulling off the comeback over Rambam in the quarterfinals before falling to your guys in the semifinals. Uh, this year, an offense that combines speed and talent and a defense with pure technical ability on both ends of the floor, and the maturity of Frisch's main pieces make it a team to be reckoned with. Uh, Yehuda Brin, Ryan Eisner, they showed what they were capable of in Camp it. blowing out and blowing by teams. And they'll be accompanied by, uh, by uh, Brian Alter, Johnny Newman, Sammy Weichner, Jacob Silver, that core group of four that's been with them uh, all the way through.
1: Correct. But it's, it's an incredibly deep team. Uh, there's no question that they're an incredibly deep team, and and offensively, they have a tremendous amount of firepower. I mean, Jordan is arguably the most explosive player in this league, and we saw that in Camp David, and we know that from, I've coached against him now, uh, and seen him play enough games to know how explosive a player he is. But Fish, Fish is probably deeper than SAR. Uh, I don't know that they're more explosive because of SAR's offensive prowess as well. Frisch is incredibly explosive, and certainly there'll be pressure to bear there.
0: Additionally, the maturation of Charlie Freilich into a formidable goaltender that led the Cougars to a JV final last year. And, as you just said, one of the deepest benches in varsity this year. It's, it's got to give Frisch a major boost you know, from a team that gave SAR all it could handle two years ago when they were in JV.
1: That's correct. But, but Frisch has one major question mark, which is... Last year, their lack of discipline hurting them. Too many penalties in the penalty box, including that championship game against DRS, almost cost them the game in the quarterfinals to TABC in JV last year.
0: Now, and they're playing for a first-year coach who you know extremely well, Yak Kulisz. Yak has coached the Frisch Varsity Girls to two straight championships including last year where the team managed to win more games in the playoffs than in the regular season. You know better than anybody else what Yacht can do for a team like this.
1: A hundred percent. He was my assistant coach for 12 years, Elliot, and we're extremely close as friends, and I have tremendous respect. For his ability. I mean he he stepped away for reasons that had nothing to do with hockey at the time and he got back into the game a couple of years ago. I have tremendous respect and and but the pressure's gonna fall on Yacht to make sure that the discipline factor of his team does not hurt his team. Does he have the ability to do it? He has the ability to do it, but his players have to buy in under his guidance.
0: Well, be the first to find out what that's all about when you, uh, when you challenge them on uh, November 10th to open their season. Now that we've discussed Frisch, let's move on to your favorite, SAR. For the second year in a row, the Sting finished with 11 wins last year. Good for second in the division. A quarterfinal win, was it DRS, I believe? Before a 4-1 loss in the semis, dropping to Hafter in the final four for the second straight year. You know, the JV champs two years ago, and you could readily expect them to be right in the thick of it, as he said an extremely talented junior group led by Gordy Cole, Jason Bury, and Shua Friedman. They'll accompany a small senior class, only three, Joey McGillner, Ellie Gelfand, and always dangerous Solomon Freilich, into battle in front of sophomore call-up Henry Cole, who's going to man the net for varsity this year.
1: No, we are more than capable of winning this championship this year. Again, I think this is where the pressure really falls on Howie and Noah now. They've had... Tremendous teams. They did run into a major blip when they had uh Lichstein and Heartstock and they were the favorites and then they had some very unfortunate situation where they both got hurt before the semifinals and that took them out. They there was nothing they could do about that.
0: MTA taking advantage. Of- Correct,
1: a hundred percent. But they're you know, going into this season to me again, first of all you say they three seniors, but we're talking about three seniors it's who are major players on the team with a very talented junior group and they do have what we consider to be or certainly i consider to be the biggest home advantage in yeshiva sports not just yeshiva agi but in yeshiva sports playing in the rink in sar which they know inside and out and listen i know that learned too well and i'm going to this is going to sound egotistical and i apologize i think i'm the only visiting coach that actually has a winning record there but it's an extremely hard place to play And they take full advantage. And the biggest key, maybe for this whole season, is who ends up winning the Eat, the West, because will SAR draw the one seed and force everybody to come through that rink until Lawrence Middle School, or will Fresh take it? And then SAR will have to go on the road in a semifinal, and that could be a huge determining factor in the way this season plays out.
0: Conversely, it's even more reason for a team in the East to want to win the division as opposed to going on the road for the potential of going into SAR in the semifinals.
1: Oh, 100%. I mean, for the teams at the top, which, you know, we we can get into the East afterwards, but we're talking about Rambam, DRS, and Hafter, maybe Flatbush in that conversation. Anyone who's going to have to go into SAR in any setting, regular season or playoffs, it's very difficult. At least the teams in the West, we play there every year. But the teams in the East having to go there, I mean, they just there's been little to no success.
0: Let's move on to what I consider to be the Tier 2 teams. The teams that really could find their way to the top or find their way outside of the playoffs looking in. And at the top of that, I'm going to put your guts. Strangely enough... Because you are the defending champions, undefeated season, 14-0 and last year, taking out half or twice, including the championship game. Now, it's interesting that TABC finds itself in this bracket, because a little piece of trivia for you. Can you tell me when the last time TABC Varsity lost a regular season
1: contest? I'm not off the top of my head.
0: Well, I got it right here. The date was December 26, 2013, a string of 35 games, that game was a 2-1 loss to Frisch. This year, a very stark contrast to the last year's squad and the year before. Only one returning main contributor to the squad from last year, senior Zach Rothenberg, which means that some different, than in many cases new faces, on the varsity level at least, are going to need to be counted to step up this year to continue the streak of dominance. So give us a little insight. Who are these faces? Who are we going to look for this year?
1: Well, again, we have... Not just juniors coming up, but seniors that we're relying on. Uh, and this is a group you yourself are putting way down, and that's okay. And, you know, it's fine. It's been a long time since TEBC per se has been put way down, and that's okay. And there is no pressure. And as I've told my team, where we are in. The beginning of November is not where we need to be at the beginning of February, but uh, certainly some guys are going to play major roles. Sally Weiser right now is the starting goalie, and certainly in Camp David, he played like a starting goalie in this league. A frying tiger has, has been very impressive in our practices, playing on a line with Zachary Rothenberg. They're going to have to step up, and then there are just a lot of faces. There are some seniors who were on the team last year who learned a lot, uh, Joshua Wirtenthal and Shimmy Alter, couple Jacob Rosenfeld, who I believe is your cousin, Josh Lehman, who's now playing defense, so these are guys that have to step up, coupled with some of these juniors like uh, a Yitzy Kopstick and, uh, and an Ari Solomon and a Yehuda Sachs. A couple of these guys, by the way, who had very good summers where they were this summer, and the reports were excellent. You know, some of our defensemen. Akiva Winter, who was clearly our best defenseman on JV last year. And Ezra last year. yeah, and Yonatan and and, and, uh, Sturm, who's now playing defense for us this year, at least at the beginning of the year, and I hope that will continue. And this is a group. Listen, the juniors, we're not going to sugarcoat it. They have not won a playoff game. I've challenged them to come the end of February where they haven't been before. And they have worked extremely hard to this point. And we'll see how it goes along the way and what adjustments we have to make. Listen, it's been a while since I've been in what we consider a serious under actually believe I believe it's 11 straight years that TEBC Varsity has appeared in either the semis or finals. And everybody is telling us that cannot happen this year, and I'm telling my team, you got to take that as a calling card and don't let anybody tell you what you can't accomplish, because we've seen many teams come out of nowhere to surprise people, but... What we first have to do is start with the first shift of the first game in the first period. Our uh, team in 97, uh, I'm sorry, 07-08, when Ira was captain. Going into the year, everybody said we were probably the sixth best team on paper. DLS and Hafter were dominant, and we beat both those teams and won the championship. So it, it those things can happen, but obviously the team is going to have to work hard enough to reach that level.
0: Now keeping the youth factor in mind, speaking of November, looking at your schedule for the month of November, you played three of your first five games against Frisch, SAR, and in Ramba through arguably the top four teams in the league. Is there a sense of trial by fire here?
1: I, I love the way our schedule is set up. It's very difficult at the, at the beginning, and I'm, my, my hope is that if we can steal some here, great. And if not, not, but we need to learn from it and improve along the way, because right now, last year at this time, I knew I had a championship team. I knew that. Whether we would close the deal or not was another story. Coming into this year, I'm, again, not going to sugarcoat it. We are not a championship team on November 2nd, but we are going to have to work hard and take our early season games and improve and improve and improve, and that's what we need to do, at least as far as TABC. But, yes, we do have probably the most difficult schedule in the league, and and teams we're competing with in our division have far easier schedules, but there is nothing we can do about that. We can only play the teams on our schedule and be the best we could be so that when we reach playoff time that we'll – be prepared to win those games at that time.
0: Speaking of difficult schedules, which we'll get to later. Moving on to our next team, Kushner finished off last year nine and five, fourth in the West, defeating Hank eight to two before dropping their quarterfinal game to finalist Hafta. Positives for the Cobras: they're an extremely experienced team, with the vast majority of their players returning from last year, having only lost three. However, three important players: Alec Benowitz, Arthur Greenfield, and Mendelow. Uh, several players with two years of experience are going to fill the slots as seniors. Ellie Slonim, Danny Blank, John Malik, Sam Roth, who have been contributing on the varsity level since sophomore year, which we talked about on this very show two years ago. At Like last year, we talked about goaltending being a question mark, having to move on to a new goalie, as uh, last year's goalie, Izzy Golko, is, a fr- is uh, then a freshman who played solidly to win over teams like Frisch, Hank, J.E.C., Playing great in losses to Ramaz and to TABC appears to be playing for the JV team this year. So it leaves a major gap at what is arguably the most important position for any team looking to looking to have a successful year.
1: Oh, hundred percent. But but Paul Rose going in that that's going to be the key to his team. He has some very good players, some excellent excellent top end all star type players. Uh, but they're going to have to get the goaltending to compete and make the playoffs and make an impact in the playoffs.
0: Speaking of goaltenders, our next team, JEC. Last year's second straight four-win season, four, seven, zero, and 3 The prospects are definitely going to be much better for the Thunder this year. One could put them at the top of this tier and potentially even vie for a top-tier spot for, I would say, one or two main reasons. The only team in his pack to have a proven netminder in Jason Silverstein, fellow senior Yitzis Wickler, and juniors Alicia Schmutter, who led JV in scoring the last year, R.A. Marcus, and Tomal Kramer. They should give JEC the juice to punch its first ticket to the varsity playoffs since 2008.
1: They could yeah. arguably draw the three seed in this division because they have an easy schedule, coupled with the having who's going to keep them in every single game. They're Their goaltender, I mean. We're talking about one of the top two in the league, as we know with, you know, Jason being with, with uh, Jakey Friedman from DRS. Yeah, too shortly, yeah. yeah I not don't, I don't think there's much debate there as to they are the top two goaltenders going into the year. And, I mean, he keeps them competitive on a nightly basis, and when they're playing the weaker teams, that that's going to push them certainly into the W column. There's actually going to be a little pressure on JEC come later in the year, because, I expect them to rack up a whole bunch of wins, and then when it reaches playoff time, that's where the pressure will mount up for them.
0: Let's remember, two years ago, this is a team that took 4th in the division and lost to Frisch 3-2, a very close game. Moving on to one of our other teams, Ramaz, last year for the second straight year, an 8-6 and six finish, 5th in the division, upending Flatbush in the first-round crossover game before losing to TABC in the quarterfinals. The Rams are once again going to push a very small roster, Team featuring only 12 players last year, only 11 this year. They're going to make a push for the playoffs nonetheless, behind talented seniors Ali Haddad, Jake Miguel, and junior Zach Wiles. It's going to be an uphill climb for the Rams, though, who only achieved three wins in JV two years ago. MTA last year, 6-8, and eight, finishing in sixth place, four points out of the playoff spot. Two years ago, this group, fifth in the West, a very well-balanced group, though with nine returning seniors, including Zach Borgen, uh, Naftali Padel, as well as Netminer Max Hershkowitz, coming from the backup role last year to take the starting spot and engineer wins over JEC and Hank. Junior Gabe Isaacs will slide in and log major minutes in the hopes of returning the Lions to the varsity playoffs. Between Ramaz and MTA and JEC, I mean, well, we've talked about JEC. Between Ramaz, MTA, and Kushner, of these three, which would you put as having the best opportunity to make the playoff spot?
1: Kushner is hurt in the fact that they have a really hard schedule. And MTA is really helped in the fact that they have a very easy schedule. And Ramaz is sort of in the middle when it comes to the... Schedule NTA has two major things going for it into the season. Um, one is they drew a very easy schedule, and two is, uh, while I have respect for their coaching staff last year, their coaches this year have already proven to coach on a high level, which is, you know, Yoni Stone and Gabby Stone. Yoni and Gabby both played for me. Both won championships at TUBC. Yoni and Gabby coached Mariah last year to a co-championship against probably heavily favored Mellon. Okay, we both know what happened in that game, but they already have a tremendous amount of coaching experience.
0: Harvard beat Yale twenty-seven twenty-seven. Right,
1: <laughs> and they can, they can elevate that team. And so I think MTA has a lot going for it in drawing an easy schedule coupled with coaches who will get the max out of their players. It's, I'm hard-pressed not to believe MTA won't find their way into the playoffs based on that. Probably the biggest question for Amaz coming in is going to be goaltending. Which is probably Kushner's biggest question coming in, which is goaltending. There is going to be one decent, one decent team that's going to get left out of the playoffs, and when we extended to six, so there are seven teams that are what I call legitimate playoff teams. The question in the end between TEC, JC, MTA, uh, Ramaz. And Krishner is one of those teams is going to drop out, and it's going to be because they probably didn't get enough goaltending. And so th- that being said, we know JEC then will probably stay in because they have the creme de la creme between him and Jakey. So they're going to be in. And then between, you know, Max Erschkowitz at MTA, who played very well for me in, in Camp David, and Sally Weiser at TAVC, and, and I think Mark Norman is the Ramaz goalie, uh, you know, we, we have to take into account all those, and, and I think whichever goaltender plays the worst, that's probably the team that will be on the outside looking in. And and when you get to that 3, 4, 5, 6, and again, I don't think any of us will concede saying that Frisch and SAR are 1-2, but I think we'd be lying if we if that didn't happen. You know, we'd be surprised and we'd be lying to say we don't think that's going to happen. We could be wrong. You know, and I know there are people who go, oh, really, you're selling your team so short. I can do that again. I never want to.
0: Just wait till we get to the
1: East. I'm just saying you don't want to sugarcoat it. You just have to be honest. And I've told my team, I don't think we're as good on paper as those teams, but it doesn't mean we can't compete with them on a nightly basis. You're just going to have to work harder to get to that level. I just think whichever goaltender spits the bit is the team that's going to drop out. And then you'll have a 3-4-5-6 where it really won't matter who's home. Anybody can beat anybody in that scenario because I think those teams are all close.
0: Rounding out the division will be Westchester finishing winless at 0-14 last year and Hill making their way back into the league, as we said, for the first time from the 2012-2013 season. Let's move over to East now. I know I'm going to take a lot of flack for what I'm about to say. At the top of my list, it's
1: got to be DRS. I guess you're sort of discounting Hafter, but Hafter has had, you know, had a couple of free-agent pickups here in the last couple of weeks between Abe uh, Goldman and Aaron Goldberg, and uh, you know, all of a sudden, Hafter's got to be in the conversation.
0: As, a, as a, I guess, sort of a challenge to my Rambam guys, I'm making them earn their way up to the top spot in the East. But DRS, last year, third in the East in the regular season— 8-5-1, exiting in the quarterfinals. Last year, though, DRS starting out the season losing five of their first eight games. Let's remember that, before going 5-0-1 oh, the rest of the way to jump back into the postseason picture. This year, with the team on the court, they won't be sneaking up on anyone, and a similar start is going to be a massive shock. Uh, two years ago, this group lost to the eventual champions, SAR, in the semifinals. Much like last year, DRS's senior class is not going to be laden with star power. Uh, on the offensive and defensive ends, but it's going to it's going to boast a hardworking class. Andrew Gillers, Sammy Brew, Miles Peller, Shlomo Mansbach. The real star power, though, comes from its junior class. Like, if you're looking for stars, the names are the names in the junior class. Netminer, Jakey Friedman, as we talked about before. Uh, offenseman, Jake Weinstock, Jason Shiavitz, Elon Goldberg, also up-and-coming juniors that are going to find themselves and think of DRS's plans. You had the opportunity to see several of these juniors play this past summer in Camp Dublin, especially Chavez, whom you coached for five days. How do you see these juniors fitting in and enhancing DRS's chances for a division crown and possibly even the school's fifth varsity championship?
1: Well, again, take a step back. Goaltending, goaltending, goaltending. They, by far, have the best goalie in the East, which makes them the most dangerous team. The biggest question coming in is, will they score enough? That was always the question. But a lot of our players showed a lot in Camp David. stock. like like you said, Jason uh, Shyevitz was on my team. He was excellent and has tremendous potential. Like Kalev Minsky years ago, and he should be as good as Kalev. It would be a, a brother for him. But. You know, he can move up or back, up or back. So Larry has tremendous flexibility there. DRS is going to have to prove it can score enough. That's really the question. So we know that they're going to play lower scoring games as opposed to maybe, like, your Rombon team that might look to play slightly higher scoring game. It's going to be an interesting contrast because when you take DRS Rombon, and Hafter, you have very different teams, especially Rondom, where you guys can fill the net. The question is, can you stop the puck? And in DLS, where they can stop the puck, and the question is whether they'll fill the net. So it's a really interesting contrast.
0: On that, Rambam, last season, 11-3, and 3, finishing second place in the East by one point behind Hafter, disappointing ending to the season after bowing out in the quarterfinals to Frisch in overtime after heading into the third with a two-goal advantage. Mostly junior squad a season ago, losing only a handful of contributors featuring what I believe to be the best senior offensive tandem in the, in the division, possibly even the league, in Harry Tannen, Avi Orlau, and Daniel Yitzhaki. JV runners up from two years ago will look to make their way back to the grand finale on the varsity scale. But a different-looking squad from that season, though. Let's remember, they'll be without Daniel who was in half there, also without now Daniel Petrakowski in net, as he's decided to focus on basketball. The task in net this year is going to fall to the trio of Benji Arye, Yoni Grossman, and Yehuda Rottenberg, who combined have only a handful of starts between them on the varsity and JV levels. It'll also be on a very good defensive group led by senior Noah Schwartz to keep the three comfortable to where they are fully game ready. But they're not really going to have much chance to settle in as we're going to be playing Hank, Flatbush, and TABC within the first four weeks of season's opening.
1: Again, looking at the Rambam team, again, I I think there's a tremendous amount of talent, especially offensively. Even the defense is strong. Again, losing a Daniel Lichter, who is arguably, I, I don't even think it's arguable. He is the best defenseman in the league going into the season and one of the top players in the whole league. Just his ability not only to play on the defensive end and block shots and play smart and log major minutes, but to also fill up the net himself as a defenseman. He's a true, all-around, top-notch defenseman, and he is the best in this league going into the year. And if somebody proves me wrong on that, so be it, because there are a lot of kids I like, but going into the year. And you do, uh, there are players in my such as the Noah Schwartz, and you have other players who are very capable of protecting the back end, not as flashy, not so much going to be filling the net on a regular basis. But I don't know that they need to with an offense as explosive as they have. You know, the key is going to be for them to keep the puck out of the net because they're going to score goals.
0: Speaking of proving, you guys have heard it from me, prove you're better than where I'm putting you right now. That's a challenge laid down to you. Moving on to the team you just talked about, Hafter. Defending Eastern Conference champion Hawks last year, 10-1, 1-2, losing in the finals to TABC after two straight championship seasons. They lost most of their roster in Zachary Kramer, Jake Berger, Sigelnik, Sam Schechter. Only two contributing members of that team still remain in seniors Daniel Lichter and Donnie Goldberg. And last year's backup goalie, uh, Elijah Glaubach, being the lone option in that. But as you just mentioned, bombshell this past week, Abe Goldman transferring in from North Shore. Goldman set to be one of the tops in North Shore as a junior. He's one of the top junior players. Goldberg switching over from DRS as well to sort of give that team a little bit of a facelift. So this team which was five and five two years ago winning their playing game, actually taking to the last game of the regular season against Blackbush to, to enter the playoffs, this team in two years, now having Jacob Kramer, Yehuda Blonde or Daniel Salzberger from their from their junior class, this team's gotta look like a much better favorite in the East than they were, forget, five days ago. But much more than they were two years ago, where they were just happy to have made that
1: Oh, 100%. And, and again, let's go back for a second. You bring up two juniors who were All-Stars last year, in JV and Kramer and Solzberger. I was extremely impressed with Solzberger and Camp David. I happen to have refed a lot of his team's games, and I thought he played really smart. And uh, I think this is a team that can now, they now have a lot of firepower. But again, like now, you know, goaltending is the question going in. How much goaltending will they get or not? Again, also going into this year, we didn't think they'd still be playing in the shoebox but they are going to be playing in the shoebox this whole year, which I think that, and and when you think about these top three teams in the East, you know, they have to think about, it has to be on their coaches' minds from day one, that whatever we do, we don't want to end up in SAR in a playoff game. So again, we don't know if SAR is going to where they're going to land, but if you end up number three out of DRS round-bomb half there, and let's say SAR does fall to 2 like you think they will from fresh. I don't necessarily think that, then the 3 is going to have to cross to the 2 after winning a 3-6 game. And by the way, you should know Elliot, right? in the East, I think those 3-6 and 4-5 games probably won't be as close as the West, where I think those teams will be all interchangeable.
0: Looking to uh, have something to say about that, Flatbush, a year removed from not making the playoffs, the Falcons finished 4th in the East at 7-6-0-1 but losing the playing game to Ramaz 4-3, completing a dismal second half of the season where they lost seven in a row and eight of their last ten. Two years ago, this group went 7-3, and three, losing in the quarterfinals to Frisch in a very close, hard-fought game. The Falcons have a making of a team that could either climb to the top of the division or a team that could settle for being middle of the road. Two years ago, they exemplified both sides of the coin by playing tight teams with DRS and Rambam and blowing the lead to a desperate halfter team. Fast offensive group led by senior Sam Laniato and junior Murray Dweck we are going to look to put points up on the board to keep the pressure off of a very young and inexperienced defensive group. Having Aaron Kuby in that is definitely going to aid in the process. Along with them in that spot fighting for the 3-4-5, as we would look at it, Hank. Last year, the Canes went 5-8-0-1, sneaking into the 5-seed a final divisional playoff spot before getting clobbered by Kushner. Two years ago, they came in fourth in the division, defeated MTA in the playing game. Start to the year, not exactly rosy. The team is young, comprised of mostly incoming juniors, junior class that lost two years ago its key offensive player, Maury Bauer. In addition, they spent a decent part of the early school year in flux, as they didn't peg down a head coach until just before the holiday, actually. So already behind the eight ball, the squad will play four games in the first week and a half of the season, including games against peers Rombaum, Vladbush, upstart and David, and North Shore. Should either of the last two capitalize on the issue, it'll make for a very annoying season to have to climb over. It's not to say that they won't be able to, but they're going to have to work extra hard in games where they wouldn't really have to. That being said, the junior class is still very competent. Two top junior talents, uh, Jacob Schwartzman and Josh Blitzstein. They'll compliment senior Joseph Lindenblatt on the offensive end.
1: Well, again, Mike, we talked about Daniel Lipter before, that it's hard for Rambam to take a loss such as a player such as Daniel Lipter. It's hard for a team like Hank to take the loss of somebody like Maury Bauer, who now just happens to play for Fresh. And not only that, but I'm going to give a little shout-out to Maury because I think he's one of the funniest kids in the whole league. But it's hard to lose, especially when you're a Hank and you're not as deep. It's hard to lose a player of that caliber.
0: Regardless, Hank is still in a very good position to make the playoffs in the East. Fighting for the last playoff spot is going to be a quad group. It will be North Shore, Megan David, YDE, and Solomon Schechter. Of that group, one probably has to, even with Goldman leaving North Shore, one probably has to say North Shore probably should have the edge of that considering that they have goalie Jack Tagerstein. As we said before in the West, if goaltending is what works you into a better position, Tagerstein should absolutely give North Shore the edge when it comes to dealing with those four for the final playoff spot. Yeah, Jack
1: is a very capable goalie. He probably can beat the the worst teams by himself by keeping the puck out of the net and they'll find a way to get a goal or two. But I just don't know that him by himself could ever steal a game from even the likes of Hank.
0: Well, that being said, we've pretty much come to the end of varsity. So just a couple of questions to, to tackle. We've already sort of gotten into it with the schedule. Who wins and who loses?
1: Again, losers for the schedule in the West certainly are TEBC and Kushner. I mean, Kushner really, I think even more so, but, cause, I, again, TEBC really can't complain coming off a 17-0 and year. So Kushner really loses out on the schedule, and in the West, J C and MTA benefit tremendously. I mean, it just, it's... A fantastic situation for them to draw the schedules that they did and even looking at when you talk about the top teams sar you know drew why because they drew drs in sar which is beneficial to them although arguably now i think they they go to half there correct sar Whereas Hefter is now better than they were a couple of weeks ago, so it's not as big, but drawing DRS, where DRS has traditionally not even come close to playing well in SAR, at least half year, last year Hefter played competitively in SAR.
0: For me, the East, the winner has to be Hank. You know, six games against YBE, Solomon, Schechter, Megan, David, all more than likely wins for the Hurricanes, North Shore, MTA, and Kushner could be in the same realm as well with the other double that they have being Hafter, a team almost directly above them, obviously getting a little bit better. Nine wins should be enough for the four seed in the East, depending on how Rombaum, DRS, Hafter, and Flatbush kill each other. The loser got to be Hafter. taken with a grain of salt because they're a much improved team. Uh, If they were the team of two years ago, you're potentially not looking at not making the playoffs at all. They have Rombaum twice, DRS twice, Flatbush twice, Hank twice, all fellow top five in the division, in addition to playing you and S.A.R. on the crossover, in the West, I agree with J.E.C. and M.T.A. Two Westchester games, two Hillel games. Well, for J.E.C., two Westchester games, two Hillel games. Mag and David and North Shore as a crossover. If you're J.E.C., do you say to yourself, if, we're, if, you, if you take at least one of two from Ramaz and two of three from M.T.A., T A B C and Kushner, we're looking pretty good for a first-round home game.
1: Oh, 100%. Actually, I'm going to be honest with you, Elliot. If JEC doesn't get a home playoff game, it's got to be a disappointing season for them. They can't be thinking like a past JEC team. If if, he, if they're not having a playoff home playoff game on their mind to start the year, something's wrong because it's in front of them, it's theirs to take.
0: For me, the loser or the loser in the scheduling battle, got to be Kushner, as I agree with you. Fresh twice, SAR twice, TABC twice. DRS on the crossover, unless you steal one of those games, do you wonder whether you're looking at a 500 record at best before even dealing with contemporaries like JEC, Ramaz, and Crossover Hank?
1: Yes, and and again, the question for that team is going to be the goalie, whether the goalie can stand up in those games. So it's going to be very interesting. But I'm going to, one interesting quirk within the schedule, I don't have to call it a quirk, but one game to sort of note on your calendar for this coming year, not necessarily because we're looking at it as a game that. Wow, I can't wait to see who wins or loses. Fresh travels to Flatbush. It'll be very interesting to see uh, whether those teams can stay disciplined when they face off again in the same spot that created so much of a problem.
0: You are listening to the Court Report on the Knockham Seagull Network. I'm your host, Elliot Weiselberg. We are sponsored once again by Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Once again, we are here with Mo Fuchs head coach of TABC Varsity Hockey and director of hockey operations at TABC, running through the Varsity and JV hockey preview for the 2016-2017 season. Let's jump into JV now. The JV league returns to a traditional two-division format after a year in a three-division league. Last year was necessary due to a huge imbalance between the number of teams from the East and the West. This year, the number of teams remains the same, but the balance is there. In the East, four of the five teams from last year's JV East Return, DRS, Hafter, Rambam, and Hank, the one exception being North Shore, who spout out of JV this year. Joining those four, will be the four Brooklyn teams that were in last year's Central Division, Flatbush, YDE, Mag and David, and Shari Toro. The West will have seven teams this year, all five teams from last year's JV West, Frisch, TABC, SAR, Ramaz, and MTA. The remaining member of the Central Division, JEC, will move back in with its New Jersey counterpart, but is by no means done with Brooklyn just yet. We'll get more on that later. Kushner will put itself back into JV after two years on the bench. The playoffs are also going to take on a different format with, once again, only the top four teams in each division gaining entry into the postseason. So we'll start out in the West. My top team, although, again, we can go back and forth on who our top teams are, Frisch. Last year, 10-0, first in the West, second seed overall, dropped rival TABC in the first round 2-1 to on a game-winner with 16 seconds left in the game, went on to drop after 6 6-2 before falling to... Uh, DRS, in Lawrence Middle School 3-1. Like, how do you improve on a team that already features top talents who participated in that finals run, like R.A. Bloom, J.J. Korn, and Josh Levine? Throw in arguably the best offensive freshman class and includes Jason Alter, Judah Rolnick, reigning Martin Weisselberg Memorial Tournament MVP Elliot Eisner, some of the top scorers of the 8th grade class last year, and Fish finds itself back in contention for a final spot. Now, the class features much more than that, as all-star defenseman Gabe Einhorn and Ari Baruch don the uh, Cougar colors. But the team will need to look to Gilad Holzer and Isaac Markovich, uh, two of its 10th graders, to lead the way back to Lawrence Middle School.
1: Again, the question for this fresh team is the goaltending, whether Gilad or Isaac step into the starting role and whether they're good enough to assume that role, whereas... Last year, Charlie Freilich was certainly good enough to assume that role. You did leave out Natan Nugrichel, I believe, who was on the my TABC varsity last year as a ninth grader and is now a 10th grader, I believe, playing first line with J.J. Corn and Frisch. So I'm very interested to see him play when we play them in a week because I'd like to see how good or not a job I did of coaching him last year. So Fush's defense is very solid because you could argue Bloom and Levine, I.E. Bloom and Josh Levine, were their number one line defense last year as freshmen. So they're returning. Uh, so their defense starts off very strong, and Jack Katz, who was in Camp David with us, a big, strong kid, so already that's three very strong defensemen. So you assume that the defense will be strong. The question we have is, while they have a lot of really good incoming freshmen, and they have some good returning players, will they score enough to complement the defense, and whether the goaltending will be good enough? If they can get enough goaltending and scoring, to take it to the title. I believe their defense is very strong. Because, again, when you take your first line from a team that won the championship, and that first line is still there, you know, and they're very talented kids in Bloom and Levine, uh, this is a team that can certainly compete. How quickly they come along as far as the ability to score and keep the pug out of the net uh, will be the question of how far they can go ultimately in the end.
0: Now we go from what I consider to be the best offensive freshman class to a team with one of the most complete freshman classes, and that's TABC. Last year, 5-3-2, and two, second place in the West, seventh overall, losing to Frisch in the first round. What's the 4-1-1 on the blue and gold? We know Yechiel Kaiser and Akiva Hain really impressed in Camp Dubit. But we just finished talking about Frisch's freshman class. Equally as strong, let's talk about the completeness of TABC's freshman class.
1: When we look at TABC, we now have a, a different team as well than, than you have in Frisch because I don't think TEBC will have trouble scoring goals. I think they will score a lot of goals because they have a lot of sophomores there in, in like Akiva Hain and Avram Gelman and Ellie Schiff and Ellie Spinowitz, all returning players who have been impressive so far. Uh, they, they're going to score goals. And yes, Yechiel Kaiser is one of the top defensemen in the league. He's big, he's strong, he's fast. The question for TABC will be, is the rest of the defense strong enough? And then coupled with, there certainly is a goaltending question, but Charles Gibber, who was one of the top players at your tournament, uh, and was co-champion at Noam is there and and has I think tremendous ability. I wouldn't count out the other two goalies that are there as well in Avrami Davis and and Joel Jacobson. But in the end, TBC will get the goaltending and they'll get the scoring. The question will be whether they can play good enough defense, which again is so funny in JV when you see that with two of the top teams in the division is the same thing as, as the Varsity East, where let's say you think of two of the top teams in DRS and bomb being such a stark contrast. I think TBC and Frisch are a very stark contrast.
0: Moving on to uh, another team that's making the way to the top of the list in the West this year, SAR. Last year, 4-3-2-1, league champions two years ago. Last year, taking the final playoff spot, finishing third in the West, bowing out the top-seeded DRS in round one. Uh, Lewis Tuckman, Johnny Haynes, and Eton Laxman lead this thing the battle with an interesting team boosted by young talent Alex Levy and Adam Neowicz.
1: Yeah, I think Ethan Fromm right now may be their starting goalie was is co-champion again Mariah. He against Charles Gibber with that championship game in, in Jersey there and Johnny Hames can fill the net. The question will be whether there's enough talent around Johnny on the offensive and defensive side as to whether SAR can make a deep run. They have the goaltender that can keep him in all the games. And, again, Ethan, if he wins that job, he's, he's on the smallest side, but he is far from intimidated by anything. Nothing phases him, and they'll get good goaltending. And, again, SAR has a big home advantage. That's something that's going to keep them very competitive and keep them right there. TABC, Frisch, and SAR really should be those top three teams. We just don't know in which order.
0: Moving on, Ramaz, last year two seven zero and one finishing a distant fourth in the West, missed out on the playoffs for the third straight year should be back in the race this year with a talented freshman group from unexpected places. Three of its top freshmen, Mark Dweck, Eddie Caton, and Isaac Schertz, joined from interesting schools, the first two from Barguy in Brooklyn, and Schertz from Hampton. Ramaz's Joseph Kaplan will lead that freshman group to uh, to fill the sophomore class out. Also, Kushner, back after a two-season absence. The roster is talent, but not really the floor experience. Will having been on the varsity squad last year be a help? to talented sophomores like Izzy Golko and Ezra Struck, Or is this going to be uh you know for them as just as if they were freshmen, such as Josh Lando, Drew Rabinowitz, Nathan Orbeck? I guess we'll we'll figure it out very quickly. They have three tough games right off the bat, draw Moz, T A B C and S A R.
1: So a kid like Israel Golko, who last year I know he played goal, but still just being in the whole varsity environment and then going back to JV, I think it's a big help. But Really, Kushner's playing with house money this year. Besides having a, a solid goalie in Nathan Norback, they're playing with house money because they, we know that they have a very strong eighth-grade class right now at Kushner. So this is a team that's really, or Paul Reese is setting up, to, to really contend on a high level next year. So anything they do this year, and it would, it would behoove them to make the class and get a little more experience, but this year's freshman class is going to be aided by an excellent incoming. Arguably today, we could say they may have the best incoming class next year ahead of time without even knowing exactly where all the recruits are going. They'll have one of the top classes. So, you know, Kushner next year in JV is going to be talked about in the same breath at the top of the division. So if they can find their way in this year, anything they gain out of this year is going to be a bonus for them.
0: Rounding out the division, JEC and MTA. JEC last year, 8-2, and two, finished second in the central due to two straight one-goal losses to end the regular season, fourth overall, losing the first round to Hampton. This is a team that would have definitely benefited from the Central Division being around this year. The runners-up are going to fight to keep themselves in the race for the final playoff spot. Uh, they'll get four games against Kushner and MTA to prove that they deserve that shot. Sam Lee and a host of sophomores, returned from last year, being they be joined by Farm System freshmen Vincian Papustin and Devin Weitz, as well as transfer Shia Kornick joining the team after a year in Israel. MTA last year, 2-8, uh, and eight last place in the Western Division.
1: The one thing I'll say there, Elliot, is, again, MTA, they have one upgrade this year. I don't know what their talent level is, but Avi Hurd is a first-year coach, but granted, Avi really knows the game. He knows how to teach, and he will get the max from that team. Whether they're good enough to make the playoffs or not, that I don't know, but he will get more out of them and somewhere along the way they'll probably surprise somebody at least once in a game that we'll see and we know that john silverstein at jay-z always works his guys hard and demands a lot from them so again not quite sure where the talent level is but those are two coaches that we're saying at least have teams they may be at the bottom but they if you better watch out because when you play their teams you know you're going to get max effort games from those players because of their coaches
0: back in the east Again, we have two teams at the top, could be 1A, 1B, and could be fighting each other for a championship in, in uh, Lawrence Middle School this year. At the top, DRS and Hank. Last year, DRS, 10-0 in the East, top seed in the East, top seed overall, defending champions, avenging two years in a row of losing to SAR by knocking them off in the first round 3-1, to drubbing Hank 7 to nothing, and then defeating Frisch 3-1 in the championship. Even without Jakey Friedman in net, the 2016-2017 Wildcats opened the JB season as the odds-on favorite to hoist the crown. Leading the way for DRS, arguably the top two sophomores in Aidan Englander and Yosef Adler, two crucial components to DRS's overwhelming season last year. Containing them both is a chore that few teams are very equipped to handle, and reigning camp David top goalie uh, Kiva Arye will play net for them. Goals and wins for opposing squads will be extremely difficult to come by. Host the talented freshmen from Halb and YCQ's final squads last year. As we mentioned, the, uh, the majority of the of last year's championship uh, players from the, from the West spattered amongst TABC and Frisch. So too, DRS uh, managed to get the majority of those, uh, giving DRS the initial leg up this year and next year as well. Whether or not they stay um, at the top is going to be up to them. With two very difficult games in the month of November against Hafter in Hafter on November 14th, and the game against Frisch at home is the week after on uh, November 21st, they could very well be a preview of two teams in the top five and very likely to find themselves in Lawrence Middle School in March. Speaking of Hank, last year 6-2-0-2, third place in the East, sixth place overall, defeated Central Division champion Flatbush in the first round before getting hammered by, by DRS in the semis. For majority of last year's semi-final unit, it uh, remains intact, losing only three key players with the coming-of-age of sophomore group that was arguably the best full-incoming class last year. The team uh, features three of the top offensemen in the year, Bernie Maslin, Hoody Silverman, and Yoni Hazan, uh, with defensive monsters Ilan Khan and Jack Hamer, and last year's top freshman netminder, Eitan Rabanneford. The team took DRS to two one-goal games last year and could put the heat on the Wildcats when they meet up in mid-December.
1: It's been a long time since Hank has put a team anywhere near the championship. It's really been at least a decade since JVR Varsity. This is a team that has a chance. If they look at the front of their jersey and go, oh, we're Hank and so we don't have a chance, then they probably will play down. But if they recall that last year they played very tough against DRS, and that this is a new year even though they got blown out in that 7-0 game, but we can take them this year, again, which won't be an easy task because one thing we know as well that DRS has is an excellent goalie, so it always helps, but Hank can compete on a very high level. They, they certainly have a real shot to be at Lawrence Middle at the end of the year, but it's all going to start with their belief in themselves or Rabbi Mordecai Harris, their coach, getting them to buy in and believe in.
0: We talked about, in the West, we talked about a class that was very, a uh, freshman class, very offensively talented. We talked about what we took to be one of the most complete freshman classes. Now for what I consider to be the best defensive freshman class. after last year, 7-2, second place in the East. Defeated JEC for the second year in a row in the first round. Arguably the best defensive freshman class. Scary team to oppose. They're going to have Jonathan Safaniev from last year, and joining him, could be Sam Krupp, Doug Mandel, uh, All-Star defenseman Yoni Goldberg, Aiden Schechter, and Nathan Rosenberg. Four of the top eighth-grade defensemen for the uh for the New York Junior High League last year. All of them extremely tall in their own right, and all of them extremely physical and extremely aggressive. Teams going into Hafter are not going to leave without a few bumps and bruises, certainly more so than goals scored on after this year. Also joining them this year is going to be Flatbush. Last year, 8-1-0-1 in the Central Division. Third seed lost to Hank in the first one. The reason why I'm putting them here, moving back into the East is a real bitter pill for them to swallow. Instead of what would have been at the top of probably a runaway division for them this year, last year's champs now find themselves in the middle of the pack in the East. Sophomore Momo Goldman and Ezra Dweck will be the main focal points. But the Falcons will only really go as far as sophomore not, uh, netminder Salih will take them. Also, fighting for that final playoff spot will be Ramba. Last year, one win went from the top uh, two years ago to the bottom two years ago and the year before in the finals last year to the bottom of the division. They're going to go into the year with a very, very freshman-oriented group. The lone real sophomore there is going to be in net with Isaac Bass, one of only six sophomores on the roster, and one of the only ones who contributed last year for them. Finishing out the group, the Brooklyn Trio, Mag and David, YDE, and Shari Tora, the three other holdovers from the Central Division. Mag and David and YDE last year, 3-7, and seven, both missing out on the playoffs in third place in the Central and Shari, last year 0-10, last place in the Central. Now, that we just covered three teams who found their way back into the East that are going to find themselves really on the bottom. I think that this move, obviously we talked last year about the switch over to the 3-Division. Who benefits most from the move back from the 3-Division to 2-Division, and who benefits the least?
1: What well, benefits the least are all the teams that were in the Central Division. Think about it last year that J.C. and Flatbush ran away at the top of that division and neither won a playoff game at the beginning. They, they had tremendous regular season success, but ultimately weren't as good as the teams in the East and the West. So that lose out immediately by having to play a much tougher regular season schedule, which which is going to keep some of these teams that made the playoffs out of the playoffs. The teams that benefit the most is really what you have to do is take a look at the schedule. My guess is SAR is benefiting tremendously from the schedule because I know that TBC and Frisch have a very difficult schedule. You know, you have to look in the West. The, in the, uh, I'm sorry, that was in the West, but in the East. I'm not quite sure, but Hafter might benefit greatly, you know, not having tremendous success to getting a benefit of the schedule and having some of those bottom-tier or those Brooklyn teams that weren't as competitive in their division to play if they get them multiple times. And I think when you really break down the division, you have to break down the schedule, because in JV it's even crazier because you only play 10 games. That TBC and Fresh are playing tougher schedules than SAR, so it gives SAR an advantage going into the season, which makes the games against SAR that much more important. So that you can try and get the tiebreaker in case you end up tied with them. So those games are gonna be really interesting, uh come down the line. But clearly all the teams that were in the central division are the big losers out of going back to the two divisions because JEC and Flatbush, who were the big winners last year, become the big losers this year, in that they have much tougher schedules.
0: Just something to chew on. If we were back in the three in the three division format, Flatbush and JEC would have faced YDE, Magan David, and Shari Torah faced on East twice. That's three teams. That's six games. That's 12 points right there. Last year, nine points was the, was the cutoff line for making the playoffs. For a team, as you said, like JEC and Flatbush, more, more than your point. These two teams now lose those extra three games. Well, for Flatbush, they're losing three games because they will play, they so they're actually only losing two games, because Flatbush will play YDE twice, I believe. They're going to be missing another game against Mag and David, another game against Shari Tora, and for all intents and purposes, any wins that they would take off of JEC. JEC gets none of that. JEC right. now not only doesn't play Mag and David or YDE, or, but now they're forced to go up against teams
1: that are real contenders well, I assume, though, that they're two crossover games. Well, I don't know. I don't actually know because their two crossover games may be tough because they, they were so high in the division last year. So I'm not sure. We'd have to check the schedule to see who JC's crossover games are. But they, they didn't have in their division the likes of Frisch, S.A.R. and T A B C. those three teams, which they're playing at least four or five times. You know, they're going to be the underdog in all those games. So their schedule is immediately immensely harder than a year
0: They do go back to play Flatbush, I believe. It brings up an interesting point. I like the fact that that the JV is now incorporating crossover games where it hasn't really in the past in two-division format. And it's bringing us some interesting games right off the bat. We'll have Hafter at Frisch. The week after, we'll have Frisch at DRS. Then when you go over into January, we'll have TABC at Hank. And back in February, we'll have DRS at TABC. Are we very likely seeing one of the... uh, our championship game during the regular season? Do we get a preview? Oh,
1: well, certainly a possibility. I mean, we had that in varsity last year, and there's a strong possibility of such. Uh, this year that when you have crossover, so you have a good possibility of getting the championship, eventual championship matchup in the regular season. But in the varsity side, it didn't fail to disappoint. Both games ended 3-2. to two. The regular season won an overtime in the championship, just 3-2 to two on a late goal. So both games were incredibly exciting. past, the talk was, oh, it, it used to be like the old baseball, you know, American League, National League with no crossover, and it was great. And you get two teams that never saw each other. And I actually think it's never taken away from the excitement to get a rematch game.
0: Once again, that was our interview with TABC Varsity Hockey head coach Mo Fuchs regarding the upcoming JV and Varsity Hockey seasons. Thank you again to Mo Fuchs for joining us as he does to kick off the court report every season. Next week, we should have an amazing interview for you regarding the basketball season as well as a recap of this past week's Cooper Memphis National Invitational Basketball Tournament. If you missed any part of this episode, any episode from our first three seasons, or any episode from Season 4 of The Court Report, you can catch our Encore presentations. The Encore presentation for this episode will come this coming Sunday night. Once again, after the month of November, the regular shows will be on Sunday with the Encore on Tuesday night. You can also find episodes of The Court Report on iTunes or the Nahum Siegel Network app. Tomorrow morning, J.M. in the AM with Nahum Siegel from 6 to 9 a.m. Live on the stream, nachumsegel.com or on your radio, 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, 91.9 FM, Rockland County. Once again, a huge thank you to our sponsors for the upcoming year as they've been since day one, Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Please give them a call at 718 769 1-1 for all of your plaque and trophy needs. For more of me, you can hear me every Tuesday morning on JM in the AM at around 7.20 with the Tuesday morning JM in the AM sports update. As a reminder, as you've been hearing for the last few weeks on the Nachum Network, as of December 1st, J.M. in the AM and the Tuesday Morning Sports Report will be moving to its new home exclusively on the Knockham Segal Network. So do not miss out. Download the Knockham Segal Network app if you haven't already done so, and tune in to us each and every week. If you haven't visited the Court Report fan page on Facebook, please do so and click the Like tab. Let's get that number up. I'll see you next time, right here on the Court Report, only on the Knockham Segal Network. Hi, this is Elliot Weiselberg, host of The Court Report. Stay tuned for more amazing musical selections and programming only on the Nakam Siegel Network, NakamSiegel.com.